Let me see your one-two step. I love it when you one-two step. Everybody one-two step. We about to get it on. <laughs> I love it when I sing so beautifully. Welcome to Conversations with the Real MG. I am so excited about this episode today because it is so fun and real and raw, vulnerable, emotional, all of the things. You're going to get a lot out of this episode. Before we get into it, I want to remind you that the doors to the Unstoppables open to the waitlist only on the 9th of September. And there are going to be some epic waitlist bonuses. So you want to be in, in those first 72 hours to take advantage of those bonuses. And then the week of the Unstoppables launch, I also am running the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Summit. If you haven't seen me talking about this on socials, where have you been? I'll make sure there is a link in the show notes to all of these things so that you can go and check them out ASAP. Do not wait. Do not hesitate. This is literally a once in 2022 opportunity now because it will not be an opportunity again this year. Go and check it out before finishing this episode. All right, I will see you there. Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Real MG. This week, I am super pumped to introduce a special guest that we've got on the podcast. So pumped that I'm breathless because I just ran down and up my stairs to get here because I'm that excited. <laughs> and the person I have here today is Jessie Jolly. Now, a lot of you will know Jessie because I've spoken about her on my socials before and we're definitely, we're in the same networking group. We see each other when I do go to Perth. And she's a stylist who has come to my house and helped me sort my wardrobe out because I thought I had nothing in there. And it turns out, actually, I had a lot of things in there. I just didn't know how to put them together. But Jessie is a whole lot more than just a stylist. And that's why I'm really excited to have her on the show because she's got an incredible business story, an incredible life story, and an incredible message to share with the world. So we've got lots of things to cover in this episode. But first of all, I want to say thank you so, so much. For being a guest on this podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here, Em. Yes. And I wish you could see the video because she looks gorgeous. She's wearing this <laughs> sparkly purple top and the lipstick almost looks like it matches, but not too much. And it's you just look fabulous. But uh, <laughs> I said to Jessie before this, I don't use the video because then I can rock up feral and it doesn't even matter. Um, but anyway, <laughs> she looks beautiful. You can just picture it and you can go follow her on Instagram and just see how beautiful she always looks anyway. <laughs> I would love for you to share, Jessie, with everyone listening a little bit more about what you do, because I've kind of scraped the surface and shared what I know, but I'd love for you to share a little bit more about the work that you do. Yeah, sure. So I started my business a few years ago, three years ago, and primarily I came into it because I want to help women in their 30s, 40s and 50s, because that's when we're going through huge, significant changes in our life. And I want to work with these women to help them understand their body shape and help them feel empowered in the skin that they're in. I think part of that's because I had been through my own journey of like weight gain and weight loss. And so it was really important for me to share the journey that I'd been on as well. It had been really hard. So helping women to see themselves in a beautiful new light in their clothes is what I'm really passionate about. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it shows, your story shows through the work that you do. And that's definitely something that I want to talk about as well. But at the moment, what are what are your offers? Like, what are the things that you do? I know you run workshops um, and obviously you come to people's houses. So do you want to share a little bit about how you work with people? Yeah, so I do one-on-one sessions and workshops. Like you said, my one-on-ones, I am either coming into your wardrobe, showing you what you actually have in there because we only wear 20% of our wardrobe 80% of the time, which is crazy, which means there's lots of gems in there that you're not using. So I show you how to mix and match all of those and identify what your style is and what's missing. And then I also take you shopping to create outfits that work for you especially if you've been through change so going shopping can be really good if your body shape's been through change if your identity's been through change if your business identity and your identity aren't matching then matching those things up as well yeah awesome and like I said honestly could not believe how many outfits came out of my wardrobe and now every time I get ready for a photo shoot which I don't know if you saw but I did yesterday my own little photo shoot in my in my lounge room set up I a did. white sheet on the ground and got my got my tripod out and my light ring light and I took some photos and I'm like Jessie is gonna love these outfits they look good. <laughs> <laughs> probably because you helped me style them <laughs> But no, that would be really narcissistic of me. I'm just loving on it anyway, babe. Just loving on it anyway. But I'm totally taking exactly what you taught me that day that you came here and putting it together and going, of course, I don't need to wear the yellow top that was meant to go with the yellow skirt as like a, you know, coordinated thing. I can actually mix and match them with something else and it looks amazing. And even I just remember the skirt, I have this blue skirt which I did take some photos with yesterday as well. And I was like, oh, I don't like the way that it shows my tummy. And you were like, just pull it down a few inches and it will hang differently. And it just made all the difference. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, now I can wear this skirt without those horrible suck you in pants. Yes. And now, and it's a beautiful color. It's now in my branding too. So I'm like winning. Win-win. I still remember that dress you put on and you were like, how do I style this? It's so comfy. And it just looked like a sack on you. And we just grabbed the belt, shoved it on, pulled your sleeves up. And it was like a whole new outfit. Yeah. So much different. Yeah. Yes. And I love that dress still because it is still comfortable, but it doesn't look like a sack. So yes, very much appreciate your work. But one of the other things I really appreciate in the work that you do is how vulnerable you are in sharing your story um, of domestic violence in your life that you experienced. And so for those of you that don't follow Jessie already, if you go and follow her, you'll see some of this. But I'd love for you to share a little bit about your story and why you were called to become vulnerable and, and share that as part of your business journey as well. I don't know if I was so much called. Well, in a way I was called because I was called by a stalker who I used to date. So yes, that was like a phone call. And so it was 10 years after we'd split as well. So kind of creepy, still thinking about me 10 years on. Mm, Uh, And and it was, you know, when I'd broken up with him, he had put um, uh, nude photos of me online, which all got taken down. But this phone call, when he phoned me up 10 years later, I mean, I built my whole business around protecting myself in case he ever phoned me because he already stalked me for three years after we broke up. So I set up a business phone straight away was my number one thing for setting up my business. I was really cautious about uh, what I posted online. And every single time my phone would call, like unconsciously, but consciously, I was always like, 
oh, I hope this isn't him. And then one day it freaking was him. Mm, And like heartbreaking, I was shaking when I got off the phone, but it was like this moment where I was like, can I swear on here? Absolutely, you can. Oh, good. I was like, fuck this. I'm not like I spent 10 years hiding from this guy. I spent 10 years in shame about those photos being out there. And I was like, no, fuck it. Like I'm done. And I just had that anger and that like mm. ferocity. I was like, no, no more hiding. Why should I? Like it's him that's the dirt bag, not me. Um, So I ended up getting in touch with Heidi, as you know, and I, I got in touch with a couple of PR agencies actually. So I spoke to a man and he was like, oh, you should never talk about this online, people. <laughs> what? If he decides to post the pictures, then what we'll do is you can get us and we'll go into damage control and do your PR for your business. Um, And what I appreciated about Heidi was Heidi was like, no, it sounds like you're ready to step out. You should share your story. And look, I wasn't, I was prepared for it. I was like ready to fight, but I didn't realize the impact that that would have in all areas. It was massive. So it was scary. Uh, Heidi helped me put together a plan. So if you're ever going to tell a story like this, have a bloody plan. Mm, Um, It was massive. So I shared my DV story. I shared that part of my DV story. And what I didn't share initially was that um, I'd actually been in a DV relationship back in Adelaide, which is why I moved to Perth. I got a one-way ticket. Um, I'd lived in a uh, house for women after they leave a abusive relationship so it was pretty traumatic and so sharing this online did a couple of things for me number one it made me actually heal all of that stuff because when you share that stuff online you you have to start doing some healing and I hadn't properly healed it I'd just put it under the rug run away from it and then yay I got my phone call and had to deal with it so that's been really good but what it also did was it made all of these women who had never met me who I thought would judge me and they either said I know someone who's experienced this too thank you for sharing this like thank you for making this something that we can talk about and it made people who weren't even interested in my styling services from a business point of view appreciate me because when you look at people in the fashion industry it's a very polished it's very pretty Um, And it broke down that stigma for me because I never wanted to be that person. And so naturally this just broke that all down that I could share my realness, my authentic story. And I never knew that that impact could happen. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were still in that process of needing to heal. So that had probably not even crossed your mind yet, but it is so true that vulnerability of putting that story out there can be such an incredible healing journey. I'm writing my book. I remember sitting there writing my story and crying my eyes out, like all over the laptop, you know? Um, And obviously, like you said, make sure you have a plan. And I did, you know, I had a plan of how I would share that information, but in the process of planning, even before you share it, that that's where the healing starts. Right. And then that multiplies when you see how many people needed to hear your message. I still remember, and I don't know if this was the first time you shared it, but I feel like it was an IG, was it an IG live Instagram live? Yeah. yeah I remember watching it and I, mm-hmm. I just remember the, 
the emotion that you held and you could see it there and, you know, simmering away under the surface. Um, and it's memorable because it was how long ago now? Over a year? Yeah, it's over a year ago. And for um, me to remember, like, I feel like I can specifically remember how you moved because you started off and you turned around and then you came back and you looked at the camera and then you started talking about it. And you could just tell you were about to speak from your heart mm. and about something that you might have felt a little bit scared of sharing, but that was really important. And I mean, I don't know how many views that got. And that's not even, that doesn't even matter. But if it's one person that that listens to that, like like you said, and, and they've said, thank you, then how powerful is that for you and for everyone else as well? It was hundreds. I had hundreds of messages come through. It was actually really overwhelming, beautiful, bit mm -hmm. overwhelming. I wasn't prepared for that. I was prepared for, um, I'm going to cry a little bit. I was prepared okay. for people to... Um, to be like, oh, like to throw the shame on me because I have felt that shame. Yeah. But I didn't expect so much love, you know? Yeah. 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 And and sometimes that's part of the healing too, because we go, wow, I need to learn to accept that love and mm. love myself. And that's part of the work you do, right? And it, yeah. I wrote down the word shame as you said it, because I think it's very relative to the work you do. You know, when as women in your 30, 40, 30s, 40s, and 50s, we put clothes on and we feel a sense of shame because our bodies aren't the way they used to be or, you know, whatever it is, whatever stories we tell ourselves. And there is so much in the female body that we hold on to around shame, you know, and and whether it's to do with your history and that event in, or events in your life or just the in a dialogue when you're looking in the mirror over however many years of beating yourself up when you look in the mirror so it's it's really powerful that you've been able to come from a really true place of healing from that feeling of shame and use it in your work. And I think what a fucking gift to everyone that you've been able to utilize that in a powerful way and and turn something that was obviously a horrific experience in your life into something that can inspire others to feel really good within themselves and be the best version of themselves in whatever way feels good. Oh, um, I do want to know, what would you, would you suggest other people do something like this? You know, like you said, you, it felt really overwhelming. You weren't quite prepared for it. For other women that everyone has a story, right? Everyone's got something that they've had to overcome. And as, one of the things that annoys me is that so many women don't think their story matters. It's not big and bad enough for it to be something that matters, but we all fucking have something right, that, that we've had to overcome, that we've had to heal from. Do you suggest people allow themselves to get vulnerable as part of their business or, and if you do, like what what can they do to do it if they're feeling scared? Oh, such a good question. So I get it and I hear, I think the thing with women, right, is we're like, oh, such and such had it so much worse than me because we are naturally these empathetic, caring women and I see it all the time and we put ourselves bottom on the pile, right? Part of the self-care is I'm going to lift everyone else up and make them feel amazing and I'm going to put myself at the bottom of the pile. And I think the biggest thing I learned from all of this was that you can actually lift everyone else up by sharing your story. That can be the most powerful thing that you actually do. I think it's one of the things I am most 
known for and remembered for now in my business. And I'm fine with that. I'm happy with that. I mean, the opportunities that are coming up just from sharing that story as well. So if you can even touch one person, and even if it's not a client, even if it's just someone else, they're naturally going to tell other people about you. That's going to grow your brand awareness, but also it's going to help you heal from whatever shit it is you've been through. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you share that? It's a win-win situation, isn't it? It just takes overcoming that fear to be able to get there. And I think you're absolutely right. Like even if it's not a client, so many of us actually go into business for the impact anyway. You know, Mm. yes, we want to generate revenue and we want to, you know, fulfill our financial freedom, all that kind of thing. That is important. But we're doing that in the process of doing something that we love. And so when we can remember that aside from the fact that that person that you help might not end up being a paying client or customer, the ripple effect of that is huge. It is so huge. What would you say to someone who's thinking, oh, but what if people judge me? What if, you know, all of those doubts? Because I'm sure you had some of those come up. Like, <laughs> how how the heck did you overcome that and be like, fuck it, I'm doing it? Uh, I was just so ready. So I think, you know, when you're ready. Okay. And it's not something to just go, okay, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Like actually sit on it and check in with yourself and make sure you are ready because I, I definitely believe in timing and when, when you're ready, it'll happen and it'll be perfect. Um, and if you are a bit scared about it, that's probably a really clear indication that you are ready because that fear like is kind of the thing that's telling you this is going to be a big moment for you and are you ready to take it to the next level and if you can kind of lean into that feeling a little bit and just sit with it you'll start to feel whether it's right for you or not and I just would recommend the things that have helped me to work through that as well was I made a decision. So I felt that fear and then I picked a day and I picked a day that I didn't have anything else on that day. I didn't have a client that day. So I picked a day specifically for it and I was shit scared, but I did it anyway. So I'd suggest picking a day. Don't have other stuff on that day because when you vulnerably share, it can, it can be a bit of an energy drain for you and you don't know what's going to come up. And it can be nice to book in something nurturing afterwards. So for me, I shared, I sent my husband and the kids out of the house and then I rang them once I'd finished and hubby scooped me up and we went straight to the beach and did a cold dip. It was freaking icy and I loved it, but it just helped clear my head and I could get on with the day. So do something nice afterwards, a little self-carey thing afterwards. That would be my best suggestion on how to take it forward is like plan it, give yourself some time and some space for afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just really good practice in general in life, right? Anytime you know that something that's going to drain your energy in some way, shape or form, practice having some space after that if you can or something that is nurturing. I love that. So I would love to know a little bit about why you went into into style. What is it that led you to go into this business and start this business? Um. I was like the daggiest kid growing up, Em. Like, <laughs> so people from high school are like, Jessie, Jolly, she's 
<laughs> She's a stylist. People from high school, people in my 19, early 20s, they're like, what? That chick went into styling? That is so, my mum still makes a joke about it. She's like, you used to wear baggy Dada pants and um, bandanas as a teenager. And they were cool <laughs> at some point. They were really cool. That TLC probably... used to wear that. Like that's literally what TLC were wearing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's as close as I got to cool. It, I didn't make it look very cool. <laughs> I tried to take a sip of water right when you said that and I almost spat it out of the computer screen. (laughs) No, I got into it. um, I had left my mining job. My husband um, has a couple of kids and we have them full time. So we had custody of them. And so he got offered a amazing, you couldn't give it up offer for FIFO and it was going to pay a lot. And so someone needed to look after the kids. And this was kind of like in that make or break relationship moment, right? And so I was like, I'll stay at home and look after the kids. And I didn't fully know what that would mean for me. And what it led to was a massive identity crisis. Like (laughs) I I didn't really adapt well to full-time mum life. A, I was a stepmom and B, uh, it was just hard. Being a mum is really hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. Absolutely. I, you probably went through the same like mum life identity crisis that mums go through when they first have a child because it was kind of like you're, that first moment of being a full-time mum for you. But yeah. added in that complexity of them being stepchildren as well, like, yeah, can imagine how tricky that would have felt. Yeah. So I ended up um, getting diagnosed with depression around that time. So I started to isolate. I lost a lot of my friends because they. I used to party before that and I wasn't partying. And um, so my whole lifestyle had changed. And at school, everyone was like, well, she's she, like, I just struggled to make mum friends as well because I was, I, I don't care how you birthed your child, basically. Like, <laughs> I just didn't, I just didn't get it. I didn't really get the whole scene. I didn't fit into any of the little cliques at the school. And I felt really lonely. Like the man who I loved was away most of the time. I was looking after the kids and yeah, I got really depressed. I got diagnosed with depression. I put on probably like 25 kilos. Yeah. And yeah, part of like hiding at home, I was like, well, I've got, how do you even dress to be a stay-at-home mum? Like I was just in crap clothes, kept telling myself I wasn't worthy of looking nice, feeling nice. And then I started the whole, well, you can't have new clothes until you lose this mm. 25 kilos because you look disgusting. And my self-talk was horrible as well in the mirror. It got really, really bad. So that wasn't a very good state. And then and then my husband came home. So that went on for a couple of years. So I was not in a good place. And my husband came home. He just got a promotion. I was so happy for him. And he said, Jess, we've got a Christmas party and I would really love you to be there. I want you to go find something that makes you feel really beautiful. And a gorgeous friend of mine, I told her, I was like, oh, I just don't want to go. And she's like, oh, why don't you go to this plus size store? Because I was about a size 16 to 18 in a plus size store. In a normal store, I was hitting about a size 22. It's annoying that I was. I know, yeah. I just have the same measurements everywhere. Right. But um, (laughs) that'll give you an idea. I was quite curvy. And I went into this store and 
I couldn't, Emma, I couldn't choose what to buy because everything I put on, I looked at my reflection. And if you've imagined that you've just told yourself you're disgusting every time, every day in the mirror for two years, and then you see yourself in the mirror and you actually look nice and you can see it and something shifts in you. I ended up leaving with like two bags full of clothes. <laughs> like, right. So and- how many events can I go to now? <laughs> And I came home and I said to my husband, I was like, I'm getting a job there. And I had a job within two weeks at that same store. Amazing. Yeah. And they would have had an incredible employee because you had that moment there. Yeah, exactly. And I loved it. So I worked there for three years and I I loved working there and I loved making other people feel that same way that I felt. And I loved that I started to change the way I saw myself. While yeah. I worked and there. And the discount could... on the clothes, I'm sure. I really enjoyed the discount <laughs> on the clothes. One thing I hate about not working in retail now is not having a discount I in the know. clothes. And knowing Surely how much you of should a be able to swing a retail, a retail discount because you take people in there. Oh, Surely. Surely. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. Um, yeah, but I worked there for three years and it kind of just ended up getting to this point where I was like, I want to do more. Like I want to do the shoes and why should they just shop in this one store? And I started to realize when women would come in that it wasn't just, cause I always just thought em, that it was just people who were curvy, like I was that had body issues. And then their, their friend would be in the change room and I'd talk to whoever was there. And I realized that every woman feels that and I just always thought slim people didn't have the same problem as me I was very naive (laughs) it's hard though to understand shoes that you know you haven't felt like you've walked in you know like it's it's interesting because I've had you know the situation where people have looked at me and thought how could you have anything to complain about with your body and I'd have that many complaints And I look back at pictures from when, you know, I was doing pull-ups and shit and I had, you know, like a six pack and I hated my body. Isn't that crazy? And I'm going, what the hell? And now I don't have that and I have no intention of having that. And I love my body so much more than what I did back then. It's so weird, but. It's so weird, but yeah, I realized that I mean, I've been doing, so I've been in the industry now. I've had my business for three and a half years. I worked at that store for three years. Oh, this is going to be a fun game of threes. And I've literally met three women in that whole time that have turned around to me and said, I love my body. Three. And I've been to heaps of events and talked to people about bodies. Three. And no one has said, yeah, well, three. Three out of a lot. Yeah. There have to be thousands. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I started my business. I was like, I want to help women to actually feel beautiful. I want them to have that moment, not just in the reflection. Like I had to do a bunch of work in the background to change the way I talk to myself and to change what I believe about myself because I told myself that narrative of all the crap for so long. So. Yeah. Yes. And so do you think a lot of your work now comes back to having those kinds of conversations with women as they're, as they're dressing themselves? And when they're ready, because not everyone's ready to have that conversation. Okay. Yep. But if they're open, willing and ready, then yeah, a hundred percent. And most of the people who work with me come work with me because they know I keep it real. And because 
they know that I like to have a deep conversation about who you are and how you got to where you are. And so, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about style then since we've got the stylist on the podcast. Yay! (laughs) Because I have learnt over time that it does change the way you show up in your business, how you feel and the clothes that you wear. And even, you know, for your branding and and that kind of thing, it makes a really big difference to, you know, how your photos might stand out or how you just feel in the photo shoot. And I remember when I started, because my first business was a personal training business. So, of course, it was all about active wear. And look, we'll be honest, I'm sitting here in active wear right now. (laughs) (laughs) But... I am less in active wear than I was before. It just depends on the work that I'm doing on the day because I know that if I'm, you know, going to meet with someone or even even if it's a certain person that I haven't met before and I'm jumping on a podcast interview or a new potential client, dressing in a way that makes me feel like I'm embodying who I want to be in my business really helps. And I'm sure there are people that, you know, kind of get that, that are listening to this, but I'd love to hear in your words, you know, what's the importance of, of how you style yourself and how does that relate to how you show up in your business? All right. So the importance is this, if you think about how long it takes to make a first impression, you have less than one tenth of a second. And so if someone's meeting you and your business, whether that's scrolling on Instagram and, and seeing you or looking at your website, or meeting you in person, you can't say all of the amazing things about how amazing you are in one-tenth of a second. So what we're actually looking at is people's facial appearances and like the sort of, I guess, facial features you're making. So whether you look smiling and open, that can have a huge impact. And that's something that's biologically ingrained in us by how we used to see our mothers as small children. But also what we're looking at is like your outfit, right? And so one thing that we can connect to people so quickly on kind of, I guess, almost stereotyping and getting an understanding of who you are and what your values are can be based on your clothing. So for an example, I have a gorgeous girlfriend and she is a teacher. She helps uh, people who like kids who have uh, mental disabilities, right? And it's a teenage class. Every day she wears bright, vibrant clothes. And she manages to keep the class way calmer. She's an amazing teacher as well, but she keeps them all so calm and so engaged because she wears these bright, vibrant clothes. And she's had all this feedback because they never thought like the class had had so much problem in the past. And they were like, what is this? And it comes down to they engage so quickly with her because of her personality, one, but also because of what she's wearing. She gets comments every day. Oh, I love your pink dress, miss. Oh, that color green makes me feel so happy, you know? Yeah, amazing. The power of clothes is just huge. But also when you're wearing something that you feel good in, you change, like you change the way you stand. You can't see my body movements right now. I'm sitting up taller, but you do, you change the way you move. You change the way you engage with people. If you feel really good about yourself, you're more inclined to give eye contact, to smile, to be engaging because you're feeling confident about yourself. Yeah. And the results from that are huge in business and in life. 
Yeah, the results are going to be huge because then you're engaging and people are responding to you based on not only how you're presenting, but how you're making them feel. And when you're showing up and being confident, it makes other people feel safe and they want to engage with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what we need, more engagement, more connections, more opportunities in order to grow our business and grow and develop as human beings as well, because the more connections we make, the more we learn. Exactly. It's really an essential. It's really, <laughs> what you wear is important. Stop wearing all black. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is very interesting. Like literally as soon as you started talking about the teachers, I'm like picturing all of the teachers at my kid's school <laughs> going, <laughs> oh, they wear gray and black and a little bit of a little bit of white <laughs> if you're listening to this stop wearing black <laughs> no I've even got so I've got a lady and she works on site right so FIFO so she has to do high vis she's um management and I worked with her on her office attire but also on her work attire and you know she wanted to feel feminine but as you know in the mines you have to wear high vis clothes and so we finally dialed it down. We looked at makeup, we looked at earrings and we decided on scarves and she's got this beautiful collection of scarves. And so if you ever need to go speak to her in the office, she's the woman with the, the beautiful scarf. scarf. Yeah. Signature. Yeah. And it's absolutely. engaging. And it's a conversation starter. You can be like, oh, hi, Doris. I love your scarf today. Doris I love that that's the name that you picked <laughs> and it's actually I'm glad you pointed that out about it being a signature thing because you know obviously my pink hair that is a style option and that has become a signature that people expect of me around my launch time hence why I have it because I'm launching again very soon and I can't keep it all the time because it drives me wild but I'm but I'm coming back to it and the style of my Mrs. Unstoppable uniform. I don't know that you consider it particularly stylish, but it's still a uh, signature, right? Like people yeah. people see it and they recognize it. And by doing that, you know, that's what we need. Our brand needs to be memorable. And if we if we chop and change between daggy to to stylish or stylish isn't even the right word anymore, is it? It's like on trend or what's the mm. right language? What's the cool language? <laughs> Um, yeah, like if you're picking trend pieces instead of your actual personal style, yeah. Is that what okay. you mean? Yeah, yeah, like you know, you like you just look like stylish is the only word that's coming to me. Stylish or fashionable. I just feel like it's so 90s to say stylish and fashionable. <laughs> but maybe, maybe that's just me. Um, and I've totally lost my train of thought. Where was I going with this? Um, about our signature looks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Mrs. Unstoppable. I was saying that, you know, people expect that and it's allowing you to stand out. If it's wishy-washy and it's, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, then it doesn't show as your brand anymore. It doesn't have that same voice. And I definitely think that's something that I somewhat struggled with because I feel like I have a lot of styles. And I remember when you came here and we went through and you said, you know, tick the ones or I had to say which of these described my style. And I was like, I remember there was a masculine and a feminine and I'm like, both. <laughs> so I know you shared with me some tips around that um, at the time, but I'd love for you to share with everyone else. Like what if you do have conflicting styles that you like? How do you do that? I wish I could 
go back to exactly what I said, but it's probably evolved because I've done more learning. Um, awesome. Yeah, learning's always good. So if you have conflicting styles, it's completely normal. I have masculine, feminine as well. And it's about defining what that would mean to you. But also, as I have learned from doing development on myself due to all of the crap we spoke about earlier, as you go through big changes in your life, you are going to change in your style as well. So um, like M, you probably before when you were younger would have that sort of would you have been more masculine when you were younger? Yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah. I definitely didn't wear dresses or skirts or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. And so that was like a massive part of your identity and who you were. And so even as you evolve your style, we can't, I can't do a wardrobe, Carl, in your wardrobe and remove that part of you because that would be like erasing who you are as a person. So there's always going to be a little element of that masculinity or whatever it is for you. So for me with my DV history, if you look way back when I was in Adelaide, there was like a very uh, vacant boho sort of version of me because I was just trying to escape. And so in my wardrobe, there's these boho dresses, which make no sense because I do not even really wear dresses. But now I've given that little section of my wardrobe a place. And that is when I go on holidays, I'm vacant mm. boho Jessie, like leave me the hell alone, get me my wine and I will be at the beach chilling. <laughs> I'm not thinking about anything else. Yeah. So we just need to find ways of grabbing those parts of who you are and allowing them to stay in your wardrobe and and have a place because we can't get rid of them. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's not what you said to me, however many months ago it was that you came down here, but that makes total sense because there are definitely things like my my summer beach wardrobe is very different to my working wardrobe. But mm. that doesn't mean that like I should get rid of either of them. It's just that they they hold different places. But what I love about what you can do is go, well, how can we actually put those two things together? You're like, maybe it's the boho dress with the pink blazer over top. You know, yeah. it, it can work depending on the dress. And one of the things that we did was looked at things like that, you know, like wearing a dress with a blazer because the blazer kind of brings in that masculine authority kind of feeling, but the dress kind of brings you that feminine flow. And, and that's definitely something that I took away. And that's probably like my signature way of doing things now, because, which is great. I don't have to think about it so much Yeah. because I can go into my wardrobe and I know that that's generally what I'm looking for. And I just find colors that go together or fit, you know, my hair, for example, because right now I find wearing red, very weird because I've got pink hair. So I'm like, oh, all the red stuff that can go aside till I'm blonde again. Even purple, purple and pink, I find just don't, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's too so much. Like, it's a bit Barbie, purple. isn't it? Yeah. No, so yeah. it's, I'm like doing like contrasting blues, yellows, um, even white. I love the contrast of white with pink as well. But anyway, we're talking about my wardrobe now. I'm just like trying to get a free <laughs> styling session out of Jesse. Um. <laughs> but people do that though. So when we were talking about, we mixed and matched your feminine and your masculine pieces. People do that. So for anyone who's listening, if you think about your wardrobe at the moment, 
you've probably segregated your casual to your workwear or you've potentially segregated even active wear mm-hmm. um, to other pieces. And we can easily like start blending in casual and dressier pieces and creating smart casual. It's magical and I love it. You can start mixing in your feminine pieces and your masculine pieces to create something in between. And if they're your clothes, they are going to create outfits that are authentic to you because you've already chosen them. You've already started wearing them in. So it's not like going to the shops and creating a whole new style. It's just taking what you actually own and looking at it in a new way. Yeah. Amazing. I love that advice. That's yeah, really helpful because I feel like anyone can just stop this episode right now, go down to their wardrobe. I say down as if everyone else has to go downstairs it's just me. <laughs> and, and look at it and go, okay, well, how can I try and combine some of these styles to still be me, but you know, and it opens up more possibilities, more outfits in your wardrobe as well. So many more. I usually, if I mix and match in someone's wardrobe, I'll create at least 20 new outfits that they've never put together. That's almost a month's worth of outfits that you have not had on rotation. Yeah. Without buying crazy, one thing. Isn't it? Without buying anything. Yeah. And you mentioned active wear. Like that's one of the things I actually love to do is wear my my active wear leggings, which are nice. Like they're not scrungy old ones and my new my nice new leggings that I've got from Fabletic. You don't need to justify and them. Then, okay. <laughs> and then I put on like a nice top or blouse or like even a blazer. Mm. You know, and it and you can even wear heels with leggings. Like why the fuck not? Yeah. <laughs> so, I love it. And I've had a photo shoot actually with um with my leggings on one day, which was awesome because I felt so comfortable for the whole photo shoot wearing my leggings and just like changed the tops and the hats and the shoes and glasses and all that kind of thing. We could talk about this forever, but I won't mm-hmm. because I know that we've got important things to do, important places to be as successful businesswomen. So <laughs> what I would love for you to do before we finish up is, oh, actually, I have a quick question. A yeah. quick question, okay. not even going to think about it. It's not even relative. If you were coming back to earth after this life as an animal, what would you choose and why? Uh, I'd definitely be, I just, I'd just be a dog. So I like pats. I like cuddles. I'm a cuddler. Yeah. Do you have a dog? Yeah. Yeah. Would you come back as your dog? Yeah. Okay, cool. She's, she's so spoiled. I think dogs have a pretty good life. Well, oh my God, they do. My dog will be sitting down on the couch right now where she's not supposed to be sitting, but because she's not being watched, that's where she'll be. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, I'd come back as a dog. Amazing. Cool. Just a random question. I feel like sometimes you get a bit of an extra insight into someone's life by asking a totally random question. <laughs> And last but not least, I'd love for you to share um, how anyone can find you, get in touch with you and anything that's coming up for you. This will come out on about the 31st of this month, so the last day of August. Yeah, perfect. So if you want to get in touch, you can just jump on my website, www.jessiejolly.com.au. If you want to book in a chat with me, you can do all of that through my website. You can find my phone number, all of those things. Um and on the 24th of September, I have a Body Shape Mastermind. So tickets are super limited. It's going to be a really fun interactive session and I can't wait for it. I'd love to have you there. And that's in Perth? That's in Perth. Awesome. So if I'll after this, I'll get you to send me the link and we'll pop the link in the show notes and that way people can just click on the link. We'll put your website in the show notes as well and Instagram, best socials, yeah, to connect Yeah. With. 
Instagram. Yeah. 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 I think you're actually quite the Instagram queen, to be honest. I quite enjoy your Instagram. I love a good reel. I was like pre-reels video content. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Love it. You're all over it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Jesse. I really appreciated your time. And I know everyone listening will have gotten so much out of this episode. Oh, thanks, Em. Thanks for having me.